Hey everybody, I am here today with Josh Rosenwald. He is the CEO of Hello Lending. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, James. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so Josh and I are going to talk today about really how to maximize the portfolio value by adding lending. And so this has been a really hot topic over the last few years as far as, you know, do we sell cash advances? Do we sell, you know, uh, small business loans? What do we sell in terms of funding to our merchants? And there's been a lot of changes there. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do that, Josh, I'd love to get a little bit of your background, kind of tell us uh, what brought you to start Hello Lending and, and kind of give us a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. So, you know, uh, certainly I did not come from any sort of uh, merchant uh, services or, or uh, financing background. Um, I left college to start a tech startup. Uh, it was called Unroll.me. It was a really easy way to unsubscribe from all the annoying email messages you get sure. uh, in your inbox. We grew that company over about four years to five million users and a few million a year in revenue. And then we sold it to a company called uh, Harakuten, which is like the Amazon of Japan. Um, and they now own a company called Ebates uh, in the United States. And so uh, I did that for a bunch of years. Uh, when I finished up, uh, a friend of mine was actually in the cash advance space. Sure. And I was, I was looking for things to do. Uh, we kind of connected. Yeah. Awesome. And then, so... You know, let's let's talk about this process a little bit. So, you know, you came from the tech startup. What exactly attracted you to this particular niche when you when you saw your friend was doing the cash advance and started diving into it? Why did you feel like this was a good industry to kind of be disrupted or add some technology there? Yeah, no, and I think the the question is kind of the answer, right? So, uh, as a technologist, you're always looking for things that are you know either inefficient or where technology can really aid along in a process. Sure. Um, and the alternative finance space was just extremely inefficient. A friend of mine was actually, you know, a cash advance broker. And I saw the way he was running his business. And, and you know, obviously it's attractive. The guy's making, you know, money hand over fist. But you kind of look at, you know, uh, the flow and it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there and the guy wants, you know, access to some capital. And then all of a sudden he's racing this clock. Whereas I'm like, well, you know, a normal sales process to me seems like I want to sell my apartment, hire a real estate broker, and that real estate broker is going to go ahead and reach out to like everybody in the world to try to find the best buyer. Right. And because of the conditions in the space, it seems like, hey, he was racing all these other potential brokers and worried about what all these potential financing companies might do. And so it didn't seem like, you know, a really efficient process, both for him as a broker, the results, you know, as a merchant and even the you know lending and financing companies didn't seem like they had a, a good process at all. And so that's really what, you know, attracted me originally to get involved. Right. So for those that maybe aren't as familiar with this cash advance model, um, you know, let's clarify a little bit. So what I hear you saying is the old model was, you know, a merchant reaches out, hey, I need, you know, I need 30,000 so I can buy some new equipment or, you know, whatever it might be or expand. And they might reach out to a cash advance broker, a, a business funding broker. And now, now that broker is racing because that business owner may have also reached out to others and they're trying to get them the best price and they've got to find a place they can get approved and do all this paperwork. So let's, you know, describe kind of briefly, how does that work with Hello Lending? What's the, what's the difference as far as how that process would now work uh, for that same broker that's uh, looking to sell business funding? 
Yeah, and, and that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, originally 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and, and probably for all of history, um, you know, small business, which is the, you know, backbone and engine our, of our economic growth. Right. You know, they're always looking for access to capital for equipment financing mm-hmm. or just to pay rent or to grow. I mean, there's an endless amount of things you can right. do as a business with money, and there's an endless amount of needs that you have. And so it used to be go to your bank, you know, uh, and get some financing. Then as small businesses became more and more prevalent and the economy got a little bit tougher, you know, most small businesses were going to decline. I think the statistic is about 80 percent of businesses who even apply for a loan right. from their bank get declined. And I don't know that many businesses that, you know, apply for a loan <laughs> from their bank. Right. And so now you end up you know, in this world where it's like, all right, well, who will give me money? And you kind of go down the rabbit hole of what we'd call alternative finance. And there's plenty of people out there who want to give you money. That's their business. And they'll give you money, you know, against your home, against the equipment you own, against receivables you may have. I mean, it's their job to figure out how to give you money. And then, you know, you need to have someone who connects the merchant who's looking for money with somebody who wants to give you money. And this just became this place for these uh, sales reps or these brokers or ISOs or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, you know, and so you have all these players. You have the merchant who's, you know, looking for capital. You have, you know, the financing or funding companies looking to provide the capital. And then you have, you know, a broker, you know, in between uh, looking to give the capital. And all three of them really have these diverging interests. The, the right. merchant wants the best deal as fast as possible to pay off the lease. You know, the funding company is obviously looking for the best return, and the broker is obviously looking to get paid for his work, and it doesn't always align. And so, you know, because there's so many players and so many diverging interests, it creates, you know, a, a lot of excess costs, we can say, and a lot of opportunity for a company like ourselves. Sure. So so tell us about the company then. So, because I've been really fascinated. And by the way, the reason that I wanted to have you on uh, the podcast is because this is a, such an interesting interesting space for me because what's interesting for me with all of our listeners being salespeople or, you know, executives that have salespeople, it's like, you know, these disruptions come along and sometimes they're not really made available to the reseller. So you have, you know, a, a plethora of these alternative funding sources now as like online companies, but they don't really have like a reseller program. So help uh, us understand if I'm like a, an agent, I have, you know, 50 merchants in my portfolio and one of them reaches out to me and says, Hey, I need $30,000 in funding. Do you do that? Let's assume that I'm with um, Hello, uh, you know, lending, and tell me about you know how that process would work. How would I how would I find out what I could do for that merchant and provide funding to them? Yeah, and and that's a, a great point. So you know you have companies that exist that are marketplaces where they go ahead, you know, they raise a ton of venture capital money, and then they start marketing to compete with you and to compete with your brokers and to compete with you know financing brokers. And, and that's definitely a, a way to go. And trust me, as someone who's previously acquired millions and millions of customers, I understand that model. What I think we really understood is, you know, who's really closest to these merchants? It's certainly not some company that just makes an ad on Instagram or right. Facebook or LinkedIn, right? It's, it's your merchant service provider. They know all about you. They know all about your business and all about your business needs. And, and most of them happen to, you know, have the data on how your business is performing in your sales. Right. And so you'd think, you know, that's the proper person to say, hey, you know what, we shouldn't even wait until they say, oh, I need financing. We should proactively go to them and say, you know what, we now offer financing because that goes hand in hand with merchant services. 
And in today's day and age where it's like, oh, I can save you a tenth of a percent or one basis point or 10 bit. And that's the same conversation everybody's having, you know, really changing the conversation and saying, look, this is now a new service we provide. And so the way we've set this up and, and it's really, really simple. And so the, the old model would be, you know, small business needs money. Um, they end up, you know, generally speaking, you know, with some broker. You don't know anything about the guy. You don't know anything about his background uh, or gal. Uh, they can be a criminal. They could be the most legit person. You just don't know. They're requesting you to fill out a 30 or 40, you know, question um, application, which has the most personal data on there. It's your tax ID. It's your social security number. It's your date of birth. It's, it's an endless amount of information about you. And they're asking you to send over a copy of your bank statements. And let alone, you know, any type of fraud that could potentially happen and right. the identity uh, that can be stolen with that and accounts that can be opened. That's already a very, you know, non-comforting um, place to be. And then once, you know, that broker has that information, he now goes and starts sending it around to all these different uh, financing companies, you know, looking for financing. Uh, those companies don't care about the broker. They certainly don't care about you. They do hard credit pulls. They may share the data with other people. People's, you know, merchants' credit start, you know, declining and getting affected. Uh, those lead to more, you know, people being aware that, hey, this merchant is looking for financing. And now your phone number, you know, the merchant starts blowing up. Some of these financing companies offer credit card processing. So you, you may even lose customers that you didn't even know were looking for financing. So someone right. said, hey, sure, we'll give you the financing, but you need to switch to our processing. And so it's a really fragmented, broken industry. And so the solution we came up with is a totally digital system where, a merchant comes to the site, we ask them, instead of 40 questions, we ask them, you know, somewhere between 8 and 12 questions, depending on the merchant. Now, we still need the rest of the data, but what we do is we just use various APIs to append that data. So once we have your name and name your business, we can pull the address. And so you know, that's just an example, but so we only ask a, a much more limited supply of questions and we use technology to uh, get, a, you know, get a, a lot right. more of the information we need. Um, a merchant then connects their bank account through a third party called Plaid, which is, you know, a massive startup worth billions of dollars. And so instead of providing us with their account information, they safely provide it to this third party. And all that does is gives us access to previous transaction data. And then, of course, they provide us with their social security number. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to uh, take the full picture of what a merchant looks like, what their business looks like. And it allows us just within seconds to take hundreds and hundreds of data points. And then we built this proprietary modeling system, which actually works with the over 75 financing partners that we have to figure out what you qualify for. And so the goal is when you get through this, which should take about two or three minutes, it's not going to say, hey, there's a 90% chance you can get financing from this lender, or there's a 50% chance you're going to get a financing from you know this type of financer. It says, hey, this is what we're, you know, reasonably sure 95 99 percent sure you're going to you know get approved for and we actually go into the details so you'll get approved for a hundred thousand dollars you'll have to pay back one hundred and twenty thousand dollars you know over 12 months and we'll show you all the options that we can find and the whole process takes less than two or three minutes and the benefit not only you know to be able to see those offers in real time the real benefit is nobody but us and and we're totally secure actually has your merchant's data Right. So, you know, although we're qualifying you or pre-qualifying you for all these offers, we're not sending any of that information out. And so we're able to qualify your merchants or pre-qualify your merchants for dozens and dozens of offers without having to send their information to dozens and dozens of different financing companies. 
And if a merchant says, oh, that's an offer I like, they can do it. And our and our platform will actually allow them to go ahead and, and access that financing. And of course, you know, at that point, their data will be provided. But if there's nothing they like, no one would have even known that your merchant was looking for financing, which is totally protective of your merchant and their information and totally protective of your customer base. And so it you know, allows uh, merchant processing companies to provide uh, a route for financing to all of their customers. And there's just a ton of benefits with that. You know, there's the benefit of customer attention. There's the benefit of customer growth. And there's also obviously, you know, a very large revenue component to that. Sure, sure. So so let's back up for a second here. And I want to kind of restate some of this. So what I, what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, as an agent or as an ISO, let's let's use an ISO as an example. So as an ISO, I might take this link that's my kind of like referral link from uh, Hello Lending, and I might take that link and I might actually put that on my website that says you know get funding now, or I might even email my entire uh, you know merchant database and say we now offer funding and I have this link, and then my merchants go and click this link. They take two or three minutes to answer a few basic questions. They connect their bank account through this third party. And then your company is then going to reach out to your 75 or so lending partners and come back with offers for that merchant instantly. And then at that point, they can decide if one of those offers, they, they like that offer. They then can go ahead and click and, and you know accept one of them. I imagine there's some more paperwork to do. And then as a result of that completed transaction, then the ISO or the agent is then actually getting commission uh, from you based on on this process. Is that did I, did I state that correctly there? Yeah, almost 100%. You know, the, the one adjustment I'd make is if only, you know, we could send that information to financing companies and, and get offers back instantly. Um, you know, anyone who's aware of cash events, you know, or, or lines of credit or equipment financing know, you know, that in that order, it can take anywhere from, you know, four to 24 hours all the way up to a couple of weeks to get back an offer, depending on the financing. And so, you know, and on top of that, you'd be sharing all that data. What we actually do is we've built our own proprietary modeling system that actually mimics what an offer would look like from one of these companies. Sure. So we don't feed the offer anywhere else. We feed it into our own system, and it tells us, hey, these are what we think these 75 different offers would look like, or, hey, maybe maybe decline for all of them, but right. you know, some of them. But so, the so, so based on – yeah, so based on your relationship with those finance companies, you kind of know this bank is looking for merchants that fit this certain criteria, and if they do, they'd be willing to probably fund about this much, et cetera. And then you're the one looking at the merchant's information and kind of simulating and saying, based on this criteria, we know that this institution is highly likely to be willing to lend you X amount. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. So we Got work it. with companies where we actually have their model down to a T and we know, hey, this is going to be the exact offer. And Got we've it. gone through hundreds of deals with them and we've really adjusted. And then we have companies where we know, hey, yeah, you're definitely going to be qualified. We've you know, checked everything. Um, and generally, this is what they give you. There may be some nuance in that offer, depending on some of the data either we didn't collect or, you know, as you get in touch with the bank, depending on how the interview goes, things like that. Um, but yes, in general, uh, the goal is not to provide all that information out. It's to host it internally and give you the offer. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, this is so interesting. Um, I know there's a lot of people listening that are already like their wheels are turning like, okay, this is, you know, this is what we were trying to offer all along. So, so I want to, I want to understand this a little bit better as far as the ISO side of this thing, right? So um, I'm assuming there's some kind of a white labeled solution. I know you already have a lot of partnerships in our industry that, you know, people probably don't even know about because it's white labeled. So talk a little bit about, you know, uh, let's say I've got an ISO, I've got, you know, 10,000 merchant accounts and I want to offer this to my merchants. How exactly do I partner with you to accomplish that? 
Yeah. So uh, exactly what you said, you know, we, we have some really good partnerships and, and that's what we've been able to build off of. Um, so some people like to use our brand and they, they like their name, Hello Lending, and we have a nice pretty website and, and that's all good and well. Um, they get, you know, affiliate links they can use in their marketing that, uh, that you know, uh, allow them to, you know, keep access to those merchants and, and get credit for those merchants. Um, we provide some marketing material. So, so that's, that's one really easy way to do it. Another really easy thing we've done is we've made the whole thing uh, white labelable. And so, you know, all that means is that if your company's name is, you know, the best, you know, merchantprocessing.com, you know, you can actually just say to us, hey, we want to use our branding. We want to call it the best merchant, you know, financing.com or use our website and we want to have the best merchantprocessing.com slash financing. And we'll actually provide our site to you. Uh, we'll change the branding to match either your existing branding or some new branding you want to create. The service stays the same. The platform stays the same. Nothing changes. The only difference is your merchants don't know that we exist, which we are totally fine with. And, and we're happy, you know, either way. Uh, if someone views this as, hey, we'd like to, you know, do arm's length and we just want it to be a partnership, that's great. And if somebody views this as, hey, we think our merchants will trust in more if that has our name on it, that's really, really good, too. On the back end, it makes no difference. All the sales and customer service support we provide is based on the domain it comes from. So if it comes from our domain, they'll pick up as a Hello Lending rep. If it comes from your domain, they'll pick up on your behalf using your branding. And so I think that really nails it down to where you know uh, credit card processors and ISOs don't really have to worry so much about sending their customers out into the world. They still got to keep them inside of their quote unquote you know own ecosystem. <laughs> Sure, sure. So one one thing to kind of build off of that too, I, I know in my consulting practice talking to a lot of ISOs, one of the big concerns they have with the cash advance is that there's kind of like an opportunity cost, meaning that, you know, they want their salespeople focused on selling merchant services. They don't want them focused on selling merchant lending. And whenever they try to roll that out, it's always kind of a disaster because now they've got all these salespeople trying to get all this extra information, trying to go back and talk to the merchant and all this stuff. So talk a little bit about you know, some best practices with ISOs you're partnered with, how are they leveraging your company, your team? And then what is kind of the responsibility of like, hey, I've got a big sales team, but I really want them focused on merchant services, but I recognize I need to offer funding to my merchants. Talk a little bit about how that works. Yeah, and again, another great point, right? So, I mean, merchants are going to go get financing. Uh, there's no way to stop them. So right. by not offering it, you are losing business. Um, and if we take a look at, you know, Square Capital for a second, or even if we now look at the announcement that Stripe just put out, you know, a lot of these larger processing companies are starting to offer direct financing. Right. And the important part of that, you know, obviously rates are a factor, but really the important part of that is speed. Because when you actually look at Square Capital, the average advance that they do is only $6,500, which is you know well below the you know industry average right. of alternative finance. The point of it isn't how much they're giving; it's, it's how quickly they can give it to you. Right. And so when you look in the alternative finance space, and if we drill down into cash advance, it really could take two days, three days, a week for for someone to get financing. One of the really cool things we built on our platform is we partnered with a couple of companies. And we've actually built a technology that allows for instant checkout. And so a merchant can go through the platform and not only see these offers they're eligible for, but without any paperwork ever required, they can select an offer. I think we're so far up to either thirty-five dollars or $40,000 um, uh, is the max offer. Uh, they can click checkout, 
And he's actually digitized the entire process, so there's no paper that's ever needed. They can get a contract instantly, go through it and sign it. They can verify their identity. They can verify some extra banking information. And then the money will be wired or ACH to them you know, within a half hour or an hour. So a large part of this tool is actually a way to you know, compete with Square, retain your customers who may leave to them. And so, you know, some of the best practices when you walk into a store, it's not necessarily to, you know, sell new customers. I think a lot of it is retention of old customers and, you know, existing customers who are who need financing anyway and now know, hey, you know, if it's on the trailer, it says we offer financing, go to this link. And if your email once a week says that and if you start putting that out there, then when brokers call them or they see ads online or when they have that moment where they, oh, I need financing, they realize, hey, yeah, I'm going to go to you. You take care of all my other needs. Why wouldn't I trust you to take care of this? And you're actually offering me the best way to do it. In terms of a new ISO, you know, walking into a store or an ISO walking into a new, you know, potential opportunity. I mean, what's the conversation today? Hey, we can save you a little bit on the rate. How many guys have been into the store in the last month, two months saying the exact same thing? Right. And so how do you change the conversation? And the way you change the conversation is, hey, look, sure, we can save you money. We have the same pitch as everyone else. We can get you access to financing. And if you are our client, you could check out with some of that financing, thirty or forty thousand dollars right now, or up to a million dollars within the next twenty-four hours. And so we don't expect it to be a whole long thing. There is no paperwork involved because it's all digital. Any paper that's required on the back end to close the deals, our team handles. It's a full, you know, a white glove service. And so it's really just a lead gen tool uh, for us and for an individualized so it says, Oh, you need financing? Cool. Here's our company. Here's our link. If you're a customer, you get to use it. Uh, you go through it. The ISO, there's, there's not much, if anything, that they actually have to do. The merchant can take care of the rest. They're not collecting papers. They're not collecting bank statements. They're not collecting tax ID or void check or driver's license. The way we set up our system, we don't even want them to do that, right? We don't believe right. that all of this data should be just floating out in the world. And so right. we set up a really secure system where it's only fed through the system directly from the merchant to us. And if the merchant likes an offer, then it goes on to the you know end lender. Yeah, and I think I think too one of the interesting trends in our industry that that mirrors to this, like two things I was thinking of. One is that, you know, a lot of what you know, these ISOs and agents are selling now, they have already changed the conversation. And the conversation is you really need this point of sale system that costs $10,000 or you need this new e-commerce system that costs $15,000. And so um, I think it's interesting because a lot of the things that people that are listening right now are selling, their big hurdle is that it actually does cost money to get the merchant to do what they need to do. And so it sounds like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine this would be a pretty good matchup to that where it's like, hey, by the way, you know, I know I just proposed this to you for 10000 but just so you know, if you sign up with us, we're also going to give you full access to our capital marketplace where you can go to, to find more capital if you want to make investments. Yeah, and I mean, if you have your pitch down where someone's like, you know what, I love that POS system and I want to get it, and but 15000 is something, well, we can actually provide you well more than 15000 pay for the POS system and have extra money to grow the business. So it certainly is, you know, a really, really extra tool. And it, it's certainly the opposite of saying, hey, you know, our difference is you spend money with us. You know, now it's our difference is we're going to give you money to spend wherever you want. Right. And I think one other thing, too, that I think our listeners would be really interested in, I was reading an article uh, not too long ago about 
uh, Square Capital and the new Stripe. I don't know what they call it, but they're they're direct lending. And you know, one of the interesting trends is that you know they found that business owners, when it comes to this area of getting financing, it's such a personal kind of awkward thing that they actually don't really enjoy the process of dealing with the bank or a broker or anybody. They really like the fact too that the privacy is not just the privacy of like secure data, but yes, my business needs money. I'm kind of broke right now, and I don't have to tell anybody that. I just go online and I go through this process. And I get the money that I want without having to share any of this awkward information with somebody. Like, is that a trend that you've seen as well, where there people, business owners, kind of prefer to do it digitally versus talking to somebody? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point, and and I think it gets back to the the amount that Square is lending out. Right, right? for six thousand dollars to pay, you know, to help pay rent or payroll at the end of the month. I think you know people may want to keep that quiet, and that certainly is a trend. But I think you also, you know, everyone needs to understand when a business needs money to survive or when they have an incredible opportunity, those are two times where they have no shame, right? So you're a liquor store and it's right before Christmas and you need an infusion of cash. You know you're about to sell, you know, a ton of alcohol, but you're not sitting on, you know, endless amounts of money, you know, or you're, you know, a, a pool servicing company, you know, up in the Northeast here, you know, right before the summer. You know, you need injections of capital, but that capital is going to provide, you know, plenty of opportunity for your company. I don't know if anybody's embarrassed about that because that's an opportunity. Right. At the same True. time, you're exactly right. You know, on the flip side, you know, hey, you don't have money to pay rent this month or you don't have money to make payroll. Um, sure. Are you embarrassed? Yes. But I think, you know, everyone understands embarrassed or not, you know, not <laughs> you still got to get the money. Stop me from staying in business. Right. So right. It, right. it definitely is a trend. And I think it's a fancy trend that fancy companies can sort of put out there. But the reality is when people need money, they're going to get the money. And, the, right. you know, I think it's more about trust, right? It's who do you trust? You've sure. been providing me processing for a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years. You know, yeah, I trust you. Here's my data. You know, go take care of it. You right. know, that makes a lot more sense than, um, yeah. hey, this guy just had some call center from some country outside of the United States or even some country, you know, call me up. They don't even know who I am. They're asking me if I need financing. They happen to catch me at the right time. If somebody called me every single day all year, yeah, at some point <laughs> I will need financing. And right. I may say yes, but that doesn't seem like the appropriate or right way to do it. Right. You know, the right way to do it is really have someone you have an existing <clears throat> relationship with, especially if it's a relationship already in this type of industry. Right. That's who should be providing me, you know, with my needs, whether it's processing or POS or financing, which fits right into that. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think the big takeaways is kind of you get the best of both worlds because, you know, if the if the ISOs are doing some kind of a white labeled version of Hello Lending or even just using Hello Lending, it's like they're the trusted partner, but then also it's providing that really secure digital experience where the merchant can, of course, get help if they need it from your team. But it's like, you know, they're not having to, to uh, you know, talk to a bunch of people if they don't want to. So I, I think that's a really cool thing. So last question about all of this and how your program works. I want to talk about the money a little bit. So the reason, of course, that our industry has these partnerships with cash advance companies and business lending is that they, you know, want to make some extra uh, money off of uh, these accounts when their merchants want to uh, want to get a loan. Now, I know obviously we can't get too specific with stuff. There's different, uh, a lot of different partners, different deals. But can you talk a little bit about the financial opportunity that maybe some of these ISOs are missing out on by not offering direct lending? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, the first thing right away before we, you know, even get into the financing, and we should definitely get back to that in a second. But right now, plenty of the listeners, they, they'll have partnerships now, or they'll have uh, historical partnerships, right? So you may have a, a partnership with an existing, you know, a cash advance company or line of credit company, or you may have, 
you know, had one in the past and had a bad experience. And I think the one thing everybody can understand throughout is there are literally hundreds and hundreds of different uh, financing companies and dozens of different types of financing. And when you partner with, you know, and I won't name names, when you partner with a one, you know, cash advance company or one line of credit company, right. and you have a thousand merchants or 10,000 merchants, a very small percentage of those merchants are going to qualify. And when you go out and you say, hey, we have this great new partnership to get you cash, and now 50, 60, 70, 80% of the people who are like, okay, great, I want it, are getting declined. I mean, that, that not only you know hurts your brand, that insults your customers. Right. And so working with one specific funding company you know, is generally not the way to go. Uh, the way we've constructed this is that you know, if you have 100 different customers, we're going to provide as much financing as possible so that if 95 can qualify for something, we're going to make sure whatever that thing is, it's there. The best customer may be qualified for an SBA loan. The worst customer may have to get some credit repair or a really, you know, a, a, a not great, you know, option of a cash advance, you know, with not the best terms. But customers are smart enough to be able to make their own decisions. You know, right. they're smart. They've built businesses. They're growing businesses. You know, it's not our job to say, well, this is the company you can work with. It's look. Here's all the options we can provide. We trust you to make the right decision for your business. That's just our job to make sure we can provide that. So I think that's one really, really important thing I didn't want to miss. Yep. In terms of, you know, the, the financials, as you said, yeah, I mean, look, we look at it as, you know, first and foremost, it's a retention tool. If you don't offer financing to your customers, Square, Stripe, and every other large company will. So I think right off the bat, you need something like that. Second of all, as we discussed, it's an acquisition tool, right? I mean, you're walking into a store, you want to sell people on what you have different, you know, you need something different. This is, you know, a, a really, really good differentiator. And then third, of course, and, you know, obviously this is the most important thing, you know, for most people is it's a revenue generation machine, right? This is just extra income coming into your business. We have a couple of partnerships now. Uh, the first one is on pace to do well over seven figures, you know, in the next uh, 12 months net to them. And, you know, it ranges, right? So, I mean, they're getting cash advance commissions, line of credit commissions, uh, credit repair commissions. There is just so much commission here to be made. Um, and it's not them pushing it on the customer. It is the customer understanding they need financing, coming to this platform and getting to choose what they think is right for them. It isn't some sales guy they partnered with who's shoving this down somebody's throat. And right. so it really allows you to provide a lot of extra, you know, uh, income to your company, but keep the control uh, of what that income is in the hands of the merchant. Sure. And it's the thing, too, I think that's so powerful, like you said, is that because you have all these different options, it's no longer this idea of, you know, well, yeah, we partnered with this cash advance broker so that when we find this one business that's in distress that is just dying to have money right now at this moment and can barely make payroll, you know, we can sell them at, you know, uh, 1.35 factor rate or something. Um, you know, this is more of on volume. You know, if you have something like this, I think what you're saying is it's like instead of just selling that one merchant here or there on some really crazy cash advance, this is like saying, hey, we're actually going to be the provider of your funding needs. If you have really good credit and, you know, a good business model and all of that, then, you know, if the data looks good, we can offer you something really attractive. Um, but we also have the cash advance option. And, you know, so it sounds like you're saying, you know, more of volume instead of selling one or two, you're going to sell a lot more merchants on funding because you're making a lot of different options available. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so as an example, yesterday, one of our partners, 
uh, a lead came in. It was a guy. They, they had done a really good advertising job, our partners, explaining to their customers, hey, we now offer you guys financing in this partnership. And the customer, you know, went through the process and then, you know, reached out to us just, you know, once he saw their offers. And he said, look, I don't need money right now. You know, I have a business need over the next couple of months. But, you know, I saw the ad and I wanted to see what I qualified for. And we actually told them, had they waited another couple of months, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the deal they're getting today because their revenue would have dipped a little bit. Their credit may have dipped a little bit because once you start searching for financing, right. your credit starts to be dinged a lot. I said, you would have gotten a lot worse term. We were able to get them approved for $500,000 uh, line of credit with a 5% commission built in. Um, you know, so that's $25,000, you know, in, in the revenue that's available uh, to us and our partners. And that offer, I mean, this guy in two months maybe would qualify for half of that. The commission would be a little bit higher. But again, right. net to all of us, it would still be a lower amount. Right. And the rate and term he would be paying would be a fraction. The rate would be, you know, 100, 200, 300, you know, percent higher than what it is right now. And the term would be, you know, maybe 20 or 30 percent. And so the idea is if a customer always knows they can get financing and always knows that it's just risk-free to check what that financing is and not have to worry about being bothered, they can actually start to look for financing and access financing before they're desperate for it. And that's really the time, you know, if you want to go get money is when you don't necessarily need it. Right. You know, obviously when you need it, you're going to get it. But if you know you can have it at all the times and you kind of know what your rates are, you can anticipate for your business and your growth and your needs hey, when should we go get money? When will we need money? Let's not wait to that last second when we're desperate. Right. Sure. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, I think I could keep talking to you for another hour about this, Josh, but I guess uh, I guess we better get to uh, you know where to send these people. So I'm sure there's a lot of uh, you know ISO executives and owners listening that want to learn more about offering direct lending to their merchants. So um, talk to us about where you would send them as far as you know the big company, the small one. Uh, talk to us about that partnership and where you would send them. Yeah. So again, we've designed this that big or small, it doesn't really matter. You know, we're going to be able to provide you know, the same great service. Um, they can go to hellolending.com, take a look at the product um, and reach out from there. They can email me directly at josh at hellolending.com um, and set up if they'd like a demo, if they'd like to talk terms, uh, whatever it is, you know, we're happy to provide it for them. Awesome. And so that website again is hellolending.com, spelled just like it sounds, no crazy spelling or anything there, just hellolending.com. So Josh, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. Very interesting, exciting stuff that you're building there. Just really excited to hear what happens with it. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com. So James, uh, this week I want to talk about the American Civil Liberties Union, which is not something we usually talk about <laughs> on our podcast. Right. But, uh, they, but there's I, an interesting angle. There is an interesting angle. They seem to um, oppose cashless stores. Right. But they like cash discounting and surcharging. Surprise, surprise. Right. I mean— I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. 
I I I was too, and you know, and I, and 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 the fact that it really could be a boon for ISOs and MLSs selling cash discounting and credit card surcharges. Right. You know, right. I would have I would have a link to this article in all my documents. I would too, <laughs> and that's what I would suggest. So uh, the reasons offered by Jay Stanley, uh, he's the he's an ACLU senior po- policy analyst, and he blogged about this recently. So if you're interested in reading the entire blog, just go to the ACLU.org and look at their blogs. And right. So uh, Mr. Stanley um, said that um, that they're taking the stand um, for a variety of reasons, including security and and privacy concerns around card and other electronic payment methods, merchant acceptance costs, and the impact on unbanked and underbanked Americans. Right. You know, the FDIC estimates that about 1 in 12 Americans is unbanked. They have no bank accounts or credit cards. And another 10% are underbanked, meaning they have a very tenuous relationship with banks and credit Sure. Unions. You know, they might have a credit card. They might have a prepaid card. That's a lot. That's like 15% or so. It's closer to 20. 20%. Yeah, wow. it's close to 20%. And it's really quite amazing. That when is you think amazing. About it. Yeah. Wow. And and that's why you see you know you see a lot of these um, ads on TV these days for the non traditional banks that right. are tied to prepaid cards. Sure, I mean a, there's a big draw there. There's a yeah. good hunk of the population, right? That you know is 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 in need of these types of products. Uh, here's what uh, a quote from Stanley. He said, "Quote: Doing without cash may be convenient at times, but if we lose cash as an option, we're going to regret it later." Hmm. Yeah. You know, we've talked before on this podcast about the small but uh, headline-grabbing trend towards cashless stores. Right. And how it's triggered a backlash. Uh, You know, at least two cities, San Francisco and Philadelphia, as well as the state of New Jersey, banned cashless stores this year. The New York City Council was weighing similar legislation. Yeah, I thought they had passed something like that, or no? I didn't. I yeah, they had. They they tried. It's been. It's, it's been still hanging yeah, there. Still okay. hanging in there. Hmm. But this was something I didn't realize until I did a little research. Is that Massachusetts has um, outlawed cashless stores 40 years ago. Really? In 1978, so actually 41 <laughs> years ago. They, you know, uh, it doesn't, thought, sound, doesn't sound like a very necessary law the back then. Back but, then, you know, but okay. now I could see why they're doing it, yeah, you know? I so, I mean, we hadn't even been doing much in the way of card <laughs> payments back then. But Right. So, anyway, the blowback, it's, it's been so intense that even Amazon earlier this year was forced to rethink its plans for an automated cashierless brick-and-mortar convenience stores. Right. Uh, it says now it's going to be accepting cash in those stores. Hmm. Um, Stanley has, you know, in his blog post balked at suggestions that paying with cards is safer, um, you know, which is an argument a lot of people use. Right. You know, he said, quote, the harms that can result from privacy invasions, such as abuses, profiling, embarrassment, financial losses, etc., should also be included in the concept of security properly conceived. Mm, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a very valid point. He also took a, a swipe pun intended, at interchange pricing, (laughs) Uh, quote, with the credit card sector dominated by an oligopoly of two to three companies, there's not enough competition to keep these swipe fees low, he insisted. If cashless stores are allowed to become widespread, that will harm the many merchants who either discourage or flat out refuse to accept credit cards due to these fees. And uh, he said that that's why it's a good idea for consumers and merchants to get on board with cash discounting and credit card surcharging. And I, I love this quote. And if I were, uh, you know, an agent out there selling, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd have this on a, on a little card <laughs> and hand it to my, uh, right. to my prospects. Quote, 
If you visit a store or restaurant that charges a higher price for credit card purchases, understand that this is a socially beneficial policy and be supportive. Merchants are explicitly permitted to pass swipe fees, also known as interchange fees, along to customers, which among other things is fairer to low-income customers who don't have credit cards and shouldn't have to absorb the cost of those cards used by others. If you're a business, consider passing along those fees to increase fairness as well as customer awareness of how the current system works, he advised. This is a quote from the ACLU, in case you missed it. <laughs> yes, and uh, please, I, if I were you, again, I would recommend you go to the ACLU website and right. look well, for some of this. Well, and to me, it was so interesting because, as you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about, you know, one of my big concerns about cash discounting is, like, what are the consumer advocacy right. groups going to do? What are right. th- What's their stance going to be? Because if they're all, you know, lighting their hair on fire over it, you know, we're going to have some problems right. and some negative publicity. But, you know, when, when an organization like the ACLU comes out, in you know, str- as you just heard, strongly in favor of cash discounting strongly and surcharging, favor, yeah. uh, and and presents it as what did they say a morally ben or a, a, a culturally beneficial culturally or, beneficial yeah I mean come on you know that's it's a so no, a socially, socially beneficial, beneficial. There you go. socially Which is, beneficial I mean that says a lot right there that says a lot you know so yeah. I think for those of you that maybe you haven't gotten on board because you're convinced that well these programs are eventually going to be done away with as consumer advocacy groups come out well you just heard the ACLU and what they think about it yeah I don't think they're gonna I don't think the consumer groups are gonna come out against this at all and I don't think cash discounting is going anywhere except uh, up yeah (laughs) good stuff Patty thanks thanks this is questions from the field brought to you by instantquotetool.com with over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So one of the big questions I get from agents and ISOs alike all the time, Patty, is this one, and that is, is cash discounting compliant? Mm, yes, that's a big question. We talked about it a lot. It's been a little while since we've really talked uh, mm-hmm. in depth. Um, and today I want to talk about a very interesting take on cash discounting compliance from the Durban Amendment. Okay. Now, I should definitely uh, preface this by saying that I'm not an attorney. This is not legal advice and, you know, of course, all that stuff, right? Anything you do that uh, causes you financial harm is just not my fault. So, sorry Check about that. Check with your attorney first. There you go. So, if we look at the Durban Amendment, you know, one of the big questions is, um, does the Durban Amendment have any bearing on the current cash discount programs today? Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say it doesn't. And the reason they would say that is because of Section 4 of the Durban Amendment, which defines the word discount. Okay, right, okay. So let me read this for you. So A, it says, a means a reduction made from the price that consumers are informed is the regular price mm-hmm. and does not include any means of increasing the price that customers are informed is the regular price. Right. 
So when you read that and then you look at existing cash discount programs where they're adding a service fee, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you would say, well, that's really not covered in the Durban Amendment. The Durban Amendment doesn't make it not compliant, but it doesn't cover it there okay? because, you know, you are uh, increasing the regular price at the counter. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in doing a research for a consulting client recently, I came across some uh, other opinions about this that I thought are, are valid and interesting. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I'll give you my opinion in a little bit, but I think these are interesting and valid opinions. Okay. So the opinion of some is that it does not, you know, this, this again, let me read it one more time because it's a podcast. It's a little tough because you can't see it. Right. Let me read it again. It said, the what it actually says is, uh, the term discount means a reduction made from the price that customers are informed is the regular price. Okay. Now, notice it does not say it means a reduction made from the listed price, price on, the, on shelf. the shelf. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah, it right. says that it's a reduction made from the price that customers are informed is the regular price. It doesn't say how they're informed that it's the regular price. Right, because they can easily be informed at the point of sale. Or, well, yeah, and I think, and then when you go, I, I won't read the rest of it, but there's some other language in there that definitely would be predicated on, you'd also want to have a sign on the door, mm -hmm. as well as the point of sale, sure. because it's also this concept of not surprising them. Right, sure. But I think it's a very valid opinion that says, well, wait a second, we are informing them, and so, you mm -hmm. know, it's an interesting take on this, and so, whether you're an ISO or an agent, you know, look at the signage that you're providing. Yeah, um, yeah. If that signage just says, we offer a cash discount... Well, that probably wouldn't fall under this. But mm -hmm. if your signage says something to the effect of all listed prices are the cash price and we and and the regular price is actually 3.84% higher than the listed price uh -huh. and they're informed of that at the door and at the counter. Right. Well, you that know, seems kosher to me. It's interesting, yeah. right? It's an interesting yeah. view. So, you know, now my personal opinion on this is that I would rather go with a non-cash adjustment and do an in-kind incentive program only because with the in-kind incentive, it actually, you know, really doesn't define that in the Durban Amendment. It basically just says that it's protected. Okay. okay? So if you, you know, I'll, I'll read this here. So uh, Section 2, uh, uh, subcategory A here, it says, uh, in general, a payment card network, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, shall not directly or through any agent, processor, or licensed member of the network by contract, requirement, condition, penalty, or otherwise inhibit the ability of any person to provide a discount, right. which we just read the definition for, mm -hmm. or in-kind incentive for payment by the use of cash, checks, debit cards, or credit cards, and then it goes to, to name a few other things. So, And this is the part of the Durban Amendment that I always think of when I think that, okay. The cash discount. It's good. Right. 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 And so, and again, the reason that it's it's been refuted is because it then goes on to say, well, the discount can't be adding something to the regular price. Right. Which a lot of the programs out there, frankly, just that's what they do. Sure. But the interesting thing is it doesn't really say anything about the in-kind incentive. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, what is an in-kind incentive? That's what was going to be my question to you. So what do you, what is an in-kind incentive? Well, we, uh, you know, this is my opinion on that. Uh, you know, number right. one, we know it's not a discount. Right. Because otherwise they wouldn't have put it there. Because it says a dis a discount or an in-kind incentive. Mm -hmm. So we know an in-kind incentive is different than a discount. Okay. So it's something that would incentivize people to use a different form of payment that's not a discount. Okay. So to me, that sounds like a non-cash adjustment fee that you're adding on to non-cash transactions. 
Sure. Because you're incentivizing people to use a different form of payment. So as not but to it's get not that. a discount. Right. Right. So that's my rationale. And, and mm. you know, um, what I've seen is uh, companies that are using that approach, they do seem to be getting less issues with compliance and, and you know, customer complaints, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting as well, because really some of the largest companies that are doing cash discounting now that, that do are, you know, it's, it's interesting because like a year ago, we had no idea like what was going to happen with right. all this, you know? Right. Now we've kind of seen some things play out, and we've also had the opportunity to see um, which companies are, you know, going to win the compliance battle, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is interesting because some of the ones that I really respect that I, I really believe in that are doing a great job with their software and, and their management for ISOs of these programs, they actually have a cash discount program, and they are. And what they've done is a lot of them have actually gone to the state attorney generals in these different states and gotten opinions, and they've gotten letters of opinion and right. said, "Hey, we're informing them that the regular price has increased. Does this fall under the Durbin Amendment?" Mm-hmm. And they're getting back replies that say yes. So yeah. um, it's very interesting. It's a very valid opinion. So I just kind of wanted to bring that up as like a, an interesting thing as we've seen it go, and it also fit in a little bit with some of the things you were talking about last week about uh, debit cards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you know that's another big debate right now is like, okay, are we going to offer a discount when people pay with debit as well? Right. So there's a lot of interesting debates going on. So I'll talk a little bit more about it next week as well. I want to talk about the debit uh, debate side of it because um, I've been learning a lot about that too. But just some interesting stuff to kind of think of. But take a look at that section and what's your opinion? You know, what do you think it means? Because yeah. to me, you know, uh, you are informing the, the customer. That, that sounds logical to me. Yeah. You know, so I think, the, I think the best path, at least in my opinion, the best path is I like the in-kind incentive, but I want my signage to also say about the regular price increase right, right. because now I'm covered both ways. Yeah, I can say, yeah. no, no, it's an in-kind incentive, but if they're like, no, no, it's a cash discount, well, okay, but it's still covered under the Durban Amendment because mm-hmm. I'm informing them. Right. So I think there's ways you can do it where you can be as compliant as, as makes sense, as reasonable. Yeah, and it's just really about being upfront and, tr- and truthful. It is. Yeah. yeah, no surprise. Right. So, Good stuff. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.